Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. I was calling regarding the stock Granite Construction, ticker GVA. I bought it around $16 and I have about 50 shares of it. And it's gone up to around almost 40 now. Not sure if I should just take my gains and reinvest it. And-, and provides unbiased answers. Nice, solid gain, over 100% there and the question is when do you take profits you take profits soon invest talk over 32 million downloads and counting um i'd like to know your thoughts on alibaba and if it's a good time to get in now or continue to wait for a pullback your participation makes it unique 888-99-CHART this podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Friday, June 11th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. Yes, it's Friday, and I am hosting today. In place of Steve, he usually does Fridays, and uh, he's enjoying a bit of vacation. I'll be on vacation next week, but either way, whoever is on air for the day, we are here with the same mission, and that is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom one step at a time by making good decision after good decision, and we operate with our mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. We want to bring you along with our success. We want to not be just parroting the same narrative uh, in the marketplace or in the, in the financial media that everyone else is. Doesn't mean that they aren't right sometimes, uh, but oftentimes they're talking their book and there's incentives to why certain guests are on, why certain topic, topics are being covered. Because remember, CNBC, Bloomberg, these big media outlets, what they care about is eyeballs so that they can sell ads. And I've talked about this with uh, with friends. Uh, you know, I'm big into basketball. I'm, NBA is my, my favorite, uh, favorite league. Uh, I played basketball my whole life. So I have a lot of friends that are, that are into it. And talk about Stephen A. Smith. And he says some crazy things. And I can't believe he said this. There was a text uh, earlier today. Uh, and and just like you're you're buying into it, you're buying into the the media, and they know that Stephen A, for example, says crazy outlandish things, and that gets eyeballs, that evokes emotion, and gets people to pay attention, and they sell ads accordingly. And the same thing with the financial media; they don't care whether you make money, they don't. They just care whether you tune in, whether you subscribe, whether you click on that link so they can feed you up some ads. And hopefully you see on our show, that's not our our end goal. Our end goal here is to help you make the best decisions with your money, whether that's saving or investing. I know we talk a lot about investing here on the show, but saving is also extremely important. So we're just trying to help you build good money habits and good investment habits. And that's why once again, when I'm talking about anything on this show, whether it's a, a, an individual stock, a sector, an asset class, a strategy, it all is here presented without bias. And we're here to give you the facts. 
as I see them right in front of me with all the data and 20 plus years of investment experience. Now I'm Justin Klein. And of course, we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. And you can interact with us right now during our live program, four to five Pacific time, or you can leave a question on our anytime voice bank. Either way, that number is always 888-99-CHART. So let's get right to our first listener question now. We're going to talk with Emilius, our good friend in San Francisco, asking about Apple. Uh, before I get to that, Mr. Gay, who's your favorite basketball team? <laughs> uh, I've had Lakers season tickets for 13 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay, yep. cool. Right on. Right on. So I think that answers yeah, the question. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Apple just because sure. uh, should we be buying some? What do you think? Uh, well, we've owned Apple for clients for a long period of time. It, it's my favorite tech name. Now, I think it has gotten a little bit ahead of itself. We haven't been aggressively buying it for new clients uh, recently. But I still love the company. I still think the, the valuation of all the bigger tech names is on the cheaper side. And the question is, where do you want to buy it? Now, it's, it has been consolidating here for, since last summer. It's kind of gone nowhere since since last summer and that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just a consolidation period now the bigger bigger question is where are uh the major support levels and th there are various ones it's hit one and broken it uh or earlier this year and it hasn't really completed what i look for which is that full retrace which would be the 382 retrace about 110. So that's the area that I'm targeting to really get more aggressive in picking up uh, Apple is that 110 area. Now, it may not get there, and you have to weigh those kind of pros and cons. We've lowered our allocation for clients to, uh, depending on the strategy, to our, to our lower limit. And if it gets to 110, we'll probably bust, bump that up a bit. So that's the way that we're looking at it. It's still a great company. I think it's one of the best, or if not the best, franchise in the tech space. And uh, we still like the company. I think everyone should have it. Uh, but 110 is my target to be aggressive. Thanks, Emilios. Now, my focus point today is centered on this story. We've had a strong inflation signal. And that came out, uh, what was yesterday? CPI jumped 5%. I know I mentioned it on yesterday's show, but I want to dig into it a little bit deeper. And what was driving the CPI going up to 5%. And... That's important to look at CPI in the short term, but also let's expand that out. What factors would make inflation consistently high, meaning three, four, five percent or higher into the future and make it not transitory? And what things would make it transitory? And the Fed is kind of saying this is transitory. Well, who's right? Well, I think a lot depends on what happens in the future when it comes to policy, and we're going to go over that. And then also what I want to get to is another story about global inflation, specifically China and the cost of goods coming out of China. And there's, there's a few factors that are driving prices higher there as well, which clearly is feeding into the CPI a bit here. Uh, but as, as you know, global economies, global supply chains – are complex and they have various drivers and we're going to dig into that as well. So that's what's on my mind and my primary objective today is to fit in as many caller questions as possible. So I invite your live calls right now on 888-99 chart and we're going to also blend in some pre-recorded voice bank questions as well. So that's how the show is going to go and we're 
encouraging you to pick up the phone, like I said. Now let's check in on the market. The 10-year was up uh, up a bit, just a tad. And you had the S&P up eight points. Very, very modest up day uh, on, on the markets. Really kind of flat. Look at uh, the, the NASDAQ. That was up 49 points, a third of a percent. So still kind of grinding higher. We're not in the summer yet. The summer months, you, you typically get more volatility. And we're not quite there yet. This is going to be, I think, a very boring month. I really do. I don't see a lot of uh, interesting news to come out. And the Fed is not speaking enough to start to jawbone the market. Now, I could be wrong. Uh, we, we, there's always potential for uh, Jerome Powell to uh, go out there and, and say something that upsets the market. Or in this case, Janet Yellen, who is now the Treasury Secretary as well. She could say something as well. So there, there's a lot of factors that, that could create more volatility in the short term, but I'm not expecting until after the 4th of July. Now we're heading into a quick one-minute break, but Alex from Virginia, hang on. You will be next. This is Invest Talk. Give me a call. 888-99-CHART. Look at the calendar. Summer is days away. Inflation is up. Personal income is down. Now, maybe more than ever, you've got to optimize your portfolio investments. To do that, you'll need the right information and a planning strategy adjusted for your situation. So you'll have questions for Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. And the InvestTalk phone lines are open now. 888-99-CHART. Let's go talk with Alex in Virginia looking at F-I-V-E, which is five below. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Yeah, hey, Justin. Uh, I'm looking to buy it. Um, I don't know if uh, there are many five below locations in, in California, but um, I am looking to, to buy this. It's uh, about a $10 million market cap, so it has run up a lot um, since COVID and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to see technically how, how it's looking and uh, long-term wise, you could, could you see it possibly replace uh, the dollar stores um, in the future? I just wanted to see your thoughts on it. Yeah. So it sounds like it, uh, most of the products there are less than $5 instead of less than a dollar or less than $5 it expands the potential offerings that they could have clearly. Correct. Yeah, um, you know, they are trying some pilot stores where it's, uh, I think it's called Five Beyond. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's within that vicinity. Um, and I think it's up to like 10 bucks or so. But um, but yeah, usually, yeah, the concept is under, under $5. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, this is a company who's growing pretty fast, especially last quarter, revenue up 200%. But before, even before COVID, they weren't, they were growing, but not in there, to that clip. Do you know what's been driving that big quarter? Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because that's kind of a, an anomaly. But if you look at its trend, it has been going up uh, when it comes to revenue growth really since 2012. And that was a low single digits. Before the pandemic, it was starting to hit kind of the low uh, double digits. So um, actually, let me hold on. Clicked on the wrong one. There we go. 
that was something else. All right, so pre-pandemic, sorry, it was growing about 20% revenue growth. And that was fairly consistent for uh, the previous three, four years or so. And now it had a big jump up 200%. Now, once again, that could be just base effects. And yeah, that probably was it. Yeah, because we were down 45% in revenue in April of 2020. So that was a lot of base effects. So trend growth is at about 20%. And it's trading at pretty expensive valuation right now. Expected $5.58 next year on an almost $200 stock. It's still about 40 times earnings. That's, that's a bit expensive uh, for my book. If you look at free cash flow, 261 million trailing 12 months on a $10 billion valuation, that's about a 2% yield. It's not growing fast enough. And so that's my, my, my main thing here is it's just not cheap enough valuation. I think you're a little late to the game and technically it's starting to weaken. It's now below the 50 and the 100 day moving average. It broke that in May and really has been consolidating and can't get back above it. So uh, this is a name I actually would probably keep on my watch list, but it's a bit expensive for me right now. Back around 110 to 120, that's an area that would be interesting for me. Thanks for the call. Now, Fridays are a busy day for the podcast, so let me start my focus point and see if I can finish it before the next break. It is centered on CPI and the fact that it jumped 5% year over year in the month of May, and that was the fastest pace in nearly 13 years, basically since 2008. Now, economists were expecting a 4.7% jump, so that was higher than expected. And it was driven by a few things. One is car prices, and this has a lot to do with the chip shortage, the cost of raw materials that go into cars, and just supply chain, supply chain disruptions when it, when it comes to COVID. And you know, cars have thousands and thousands of little parts. And if you can't get one of those parts, you can't complete the car. And so it creates a bottleneck there uh, to make sure that they get every part necessary for a particular model. And remember, a lot of these OEM manufacturers, they're buying their parts from OEM suppliers, a lot of different ones, a lot of small ones, all around the country, all around the world. And I know the shortage issue first, I wouldn't say firsthand, but secondhand through some friends that work in the car dealership uh, industry. And they're telling me the same thing, that they can't find supply. It's very, very difficult. And so a lot of the move up here is driven by the, the uh, supply chain issues. Now, what will keep inflation high for a long period of time and what will make it come back down what will make it come back down is if governments don't continue with stimulus package after stimulus package but we all know and we see when there is economic disruption the the politicians come in and they will spend and i think that is the trend here and as long as they keep that going inflation is likely to remain elevated for some time now we're heading into a break and our invest our question and answer sessions will continue so stay with us please give me a call now with your finance or investment questions at 888-99 chart The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced? Or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com 
and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. The Invest Talk phone lines are open and waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Let's head up to San Francisco and talk with Jose looking at Alibaba. Yes, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, sure. I'd like to know your thoughts on Alibaba and if it's a good time to get in now or continue to wait for a pullback. Well, it's technically not in, in a good place. Um, this is a name we've been short in the past, and you know we've covered it uh, around these levels, but it, it's more of... I just I just don't like it. Uh, I don't like the the Chinese names, uh, especially with what's happening around this lab leak theory. If you if you watch, if you listen to the show for any length of time, and you'll know back during the first shutdown that I was saying that this was the most likely theory, uh, and now it's becoming more and more obvious that this is uh, what happened with the, uh, the the pandemic that it leaked from uh, a Chinese lab. How that's going to play out when it comes to geopolitical issues, when it comes to cracking down on Chinese listed companies that are uh, maybe not living up to the accounting standards of domestic companies. I think there's more and more potential for regulation on that side as well. And maybe this is the impetus for that. So Alibaba, I think, is a better short than a long. Um, They definitely would not be owning it, 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 both from that perspective as well as technically it looks terrible. So I'm I would say no. Thanks for the call, Jose. Let's go to Don in Pleasanton looking at CMRE, which is cost a mare. Okay, this is an interesting one. Can you tell me more about it? Uh, it is a shipping company. I bought it a little while ago. Uh, it was doing it, It's doing well for me. Uh-huh. I, I just looked in Morningstar and saw that its payout ratio is well according to them is like 200 mm-hmm. percent so something's not right here because I, I look at it and the numbers i thought were, were decent could you take a look at this stock see if the uh, dividend is a uh, solid uh, dividend sure happy to do that so you're okay looking it, at, it, yeah, actually is, as okay. you're, you're, you're looking just to mm-hmm. let you know um i am a customer of yours i do get the premium newsletter I'm uh, retired uh, recently, so I started really playing with my portfolio. I noticed uh, back in October um, that I can contribute like at least three stocks that I purchased during that time to returns of you know sixty, seventy percent. Not all of your stuff is, is is wonderful, but I definitely can, can say that that newsletter is really uh, something that, that is worthwhile and worth studying and looking at. So anyway, as you were saying before, you were so rudely interrupted. <laughs> well, I appreciate uh, those kind words about our newsletter. And uh, you're looking at Acosta Mare, and this is a shipping company, and clearly they're doing very, very well as more and more goods are being shipped all around the world because of the pandemic. But as the, everything opens up, more and more people are going to have, be, have the opportunity now to spend less on things and more on experiences, going to concerts, sporting events, traveling, etc. And they're going to have less money for goods. And that's why I think that is – you have to be very careful after this long run. Remember, this is going coming from $3 and, and change all the way up down to $12 a share – and you've been writing it, and technicals are fine. There's nothing wrong with technicals. Technicals, in fact, it closed at the highest level since 2016. 
today, actually 2015. So that yield 3.3% is, is nice, uh, but Morningstar is correct. Their earnings aren't, aren't covering the, the payout of their dividend. In fact, they only made 10 cents a share trailing 12 months and they're paying out 40 cents. And that's really uh, the main issue here. And so I would agree that it's a bit worrisome. Uh, the dividend probably isn't sustainable. And I would be looking to find an exit. I wouldn't exit now because the technicals are just fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with them. What I would use, this is what I would use, 100-day moving average. Right now, that's around $10 a share. That's going to continue to rise as it stays above that. It's at $12 right now. So I would be any close two days in a row below that 100-day moving average. You want to track that. That's when I would be out of this name. And I do think that will turn over the next three, six, nine months because, once again, the reopening will bring strength to other sectors that this is not addressing, which is shipping goods around the world. So that's how I would play it. Thanks for the call. Fantastic. Thank you very much. I do appreciate it. No problem, Don. Now, on Friday, Steve generally makes time to fit in a quick rundown of key benchmark numbers. Let's take a look. The two-year Treasury yield was at 0.153%. Last week, it was at 0.149. So the market pricing in a little better chance that in the future, the Fed might raise interest rates. So that's uh, uh, part of that. The 10-year down a little bit from 1.56 down to one percent Four six nine. So the yield curve flattened a bit. That is pricing in less growth in the future. When the yield curve flattens, that's what the bond market is generally telling you. Gold prices, those were down slightly on the week to 1877. Still kind of in this consolidation period over the past nine months or so. Actually, now I'm approaching a year, but still very constructive. I'm expecting stronger gold prices in the back half of the year as the economy slows, but inflation stays relatively high. Silver at 28 an ounce, up a, up a tad on the week. Oil also up a bit from 69 and change to almost $71 a barrel at the close today. National average for gasoline, 307 up from 304 last week. Here in California, $4.22. Pretty crazy. Wisconsin, the average price was only $2.92. Now we're heading into another break. Daniel from Mountain View, you're next, but give us a call. This is Invest Talk. Of all the finance and investing podcasts and all the downloads in all the world, you've discovered Invest Talk. At this time, do you think it would be better to keep it in this bond or move it to cash? Looks like the sector is down today, so just thinking about, you know, potentially buying the dip. And since Invest Talk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are committed to answering your questions with their unique blend of expert insight and unbiased guidance, you've got to ask yourself one question. Why haven't you called Invest Talk? Hey, it's James from Australia. I'm loving the podcast. You know you listen. You know you should call. You know you want to call. Um, so I was wondering the best options for long-term growth. You'll get a reliable answer and the same positive feeling that tens of thousands of Invest Talk callers have already experienced. Thank you so much. I love the show. Don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888 chart Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know 
about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. We're already moving through the second quarter, and serious investors need to bring their best game. Invest Talk is here to help. 888-99-CHART. Let's go talk to Daniel. He's in Mountain View, California. He's looking at ARKK, which is the ARK Invest ETF, Innovation ETF. Uh, you own it, looking to buy it, looking to short it. What are you thinking? I'm looking to short it. It's been kind of a proxy for overvalued growth, at least in my view, on a daily basis. And I was thinking about what the heck, maybe I just need to go ahead and short it. I just wonder what your thoughts were at this level. Yeah, I, I would say it's starting to become a pretty good short. I definitely think closer to the 100 moving average at 124 would be a bit better. 
but you know it's already had the bounce from 97 and change all the way to 116 and change now and this is a great place to short if you are trying to bet on the downside of like you said a lot of these very overvalued speculative growth names you look at the way that they, that they manage the portfolio by there's so many just crappy story stocks with very little or no revenue and I think it's a fantastic short. Uh, just a matter of where you pull that trigger between here and, like I said, 124. Those are the area. That's the area that I would be uh, firing on that short. So um, maybe not quite yet, but maybe this is where you start your position and then you add it to it going into that 124 level. Maybe it doesn't get there. Maybe it rolls over before. Thanks for the call, Daniel. Let's go to David in San Mateo, looking at GSL which is Global Ship Lease Incorporated. This uh, looks like a provider of international tanker transportation services with 43 vessels, similar to the one we just had with uh, CMRE. Do you own it or are you looking to buy it, David? I have a small position and um, also a small position in Matson and I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that space in general. It seems undervalued with their rates going up, but I don't understand the industry. Yeah, well, the industry is very cyclical. You can see that with their earnings are all over the place. They made a dollar four in 2014. They ran it up to four dollars and 24 cents in 2017. Then they only made a dollar 70 in 2019, up to 269 last year. So it looks to be 296 this year and 414 next year so you go based on next year's earnings that's very cheap but this is once again an industry that's very very up and down and is that 414 accurate if we're going to have a reopening and more money from consumers spent on activities concerts experiences traveling etc and less on physical goods that need to be moved around the world which clearly they're benefiting from and so that's the bigger question here is how long will this tailwind of the pandemic and people moving and needing goods goods last? And I think we're in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning of this recent cycle and more money, like I said, going towards those uh, experiences. So this is the name that I probably wouldn't be adding to, even though it broke out. And I would use the same thing. The 100-day moving average right now, that's around 15. The stock's around 20 right now. Uh, and... I still would like I still like the space in the short term because the technicals are perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with a lot of these shipping names and they're they're extracting very good value. Now the transportation index as a whole, that's starting to show some weakness. It's actually down over the past month. Actually closed yesterday below its 50-day or 20-day moving average. Sorry, 50-day moving average. Yes, 50. Uh, had a bit of bounce today, but what you're seeing is is some modest weakness in the space as a whole but not necessarily the subsector of shipping. So I wouldn't be adding here, but I definitely wouldn't be selling because the technicals remain strong and I'd try to find an out. Thanks for the call. Now it is Friday and I'm filling in for Steve. So as usual, I will share brief highlights of the newest KPP premium newsletter. It will be distributed later today. I have not sent it out yet, but it's packed with helpful information and insights. And so if you want to sign up and get it later today, you can do that now. Now, in the market conditions section, we explained that the big news that most investors were waiting for was the CPI number. 
for May, and it fell for the month from 0.8 to in April to 0.6, but the core CPI, 0.9 to 0.7, but the year-in-year -year was running at 5% annually. With regards to the market, it seemed to be in pause mode after following its bump up against old highs. There is more optimism than pessimism in the mindset of investors and traders. They're keeping a close watch on the Fed for any hint of money tightening. For the time being, you must stay in the market. There's no place to keep your money with any hope of achieving a gain. Now, in the portfolio management section, we point out that the majority of mutual funds have a hard time beating the S&P 500. Over the last five years, 65% of mutual funds failed to beat the market. To be fair, many are not intended to compete with the S&P. Some have different purposes, such as investing in other asset classes or minimizing risk. And there is a more technical explanation in the newsletter as well. So just touching on the, the mutual fund space as a whole. So it's packed with a lot of good information. Once again, stock ideas, uh, uh, consumer watch section, give you personal finance tips. It's a great resource, especially if you're looking, uh, if you're relatively new, you're looking to learn about the market, what to look for, portfolio management, how to manage risk and look for opportunity. And then obviously the stock ideas helps you look at different ideas of what potentially could fit in your portfolio. It's not a buy recommendation, but it's a good overview of different companies and why they might be good or bad and maybe to keep on your watch list and find a buy point at some point. Maybe not today, but in the future. Now let's go to Jeff in Florida looking at Veritex Pharmaceuticals. Do you own it or looking to buy it? I actually just bought at the low today. Um, I uh, They scrubbed one of their... Um, drugs that were in the pipeline and I've been waiting for a buying opportunity and I was going to see what you thought about that is now it's at a 52 week low and um, seemed like a good chance to get in. All right. Let me take a look at this. Now here's my issue. First, by just looking at the chart, it closed the low of the day. I never liked that when a stock is down a good amount and it was it down about 11% today and it closed right near the lows. And that is always telling me that it actually wants to go lower. Okay, so that's the first thing. Now the news, can you explain the news a little bit more? I, I, I did not see exactly what this was. Well, from what I gathered to, over the day, it was a uh, drug that was really not going to be contributing to its revenue that much. I guess fit, over 50% of the revenue is uh, cystic dick fibrosis uh, mm. drugs, and this wasn't one of them, and uh, from that's the overall consensus that I got. Got it. Okay. Well, interesting. I'd have to dig into that, those details a bit more, but Veritex expected to make $12.41 next year, $193 stock. So uh, based on forward earnings, only trading at about 15, 16 times, so I like that. If you look at its longer-term profitability metrics, it tends to be fairly consistently profitable, and it's been growing its free cash flow from negative in 2015 to $3 billion, trailing 12 months on a $50 billion market cap company. Uh, that's pretty solid. Revenue growth has decelerated from the 60% level pre-pandemic, recently only in the mid-teens. So that's a bit of a worry there. Now, longer-term, technically... If I go look at a chart, it is starting to get down into some support, but let me give you a better level. Let me give you a, a good level here. 
160, 165 in that area, that's where I'd be picking it up. What's at 193 now? And once again, the technicals look fairly poor. I, that is an area 160, 165 that I would get interested in this name and start to see, is it starting to react from a technical perspective a lot better? Um, until then, until I get some positive movement in the chart, I would be staying away from it. But it's a good company to have in your watch list. Strong balance sheet, solid growth, good cash flow, good profitability. I mean, if you look at their return on equity, it's in the 35% range. It's hard to find businesses like that that have good, solid, consistent profitability. So um, I like that it's on your watch list, but I would be patient on this name and look to pick it up around that 160 level. Now let's pivot to our Invest Talk Voice Bank for the next question. Here comes a listener, Tim from Wisconsin. We'll play his message and then I will have an answer. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Tim from Wisconsin calling. I really appreciate you guys' show and all the insight that you give us each and every day. The reason for my call today is I was wondering if you could touch on the 10-year treasury yield. It seems that uh, as the yield goes down and up, as you've talked about, it directly affects uh, stock prices, especially in the NASDAQ and the Qs. So I'm just wondering, what moves the 10-year index? If you could uh, touch on that in the next, or whenever you get to it, that would be excellent. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Well, what moves the in the 10-year treasury rate, I think is your question. And there are a lot of factors. Number one is expectations in the market for Fed policy. If the market is pricing in a tighter Fed policy in the future, rates are likely to rise to reflect the, the, the odds that in the future, the cost of capital is going to be higher. That's number one. Number two is that is linked to the expectation of where the economy is going in the future. So if the economy is strong, like right now, the market starts to price in that the Fed will tighten because of a stronger economy. So it kind of feeds on itself. Then there's the supply the dynamics, the fact that we have such a large deficit. That certainly is going to bring more supply on. And foreign buyers have not been picking up the tab. Who has been picking up the tab for the federal government is the Federal Reserve by printing money, doing QE, to the tune of $80 billion a month in treasuries, $40 billion a month in mortgage-backed securities. That might shift and what the market expectations will be for that shift. And I actually think that's what it is right now is markets expecting that shift to more treasuries, less mortgage-backed securities, bringing rates and the expectation for rates down. And that's why you saw the 10-year go from 170 to about 148, the close today. So a lot of factors that go into it, the, 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 uh, the dollar and the effects there, the dollar goes down in price, that makes it cheaper for foreign capital to come in and buy treasuries, for example. So there's a lot that goes into where treasury rates are at any given time and what moves they make on a daily and weekly basis. But I hope it gave you a, a, a basic overview. But once again, it is very complex. It's the pretty much the biggest market in the world. Remember, there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 20-something trillion dollars in treasuries that are out there in the marketplace. All right. Thanks for the call. Great question. Now it's Friday, and I'm working today for Steve, and I don't mind it because I enjoy doing the show. In fact, I love it, and I actually get a good feeling from being able to help you guys 
With that said, I think it's worth taking a minute to make you aware of what we do at KPP Financial and the benefits that our clients get when working with us. Not only do they get unbiased guidance both on and off air, but hey, they get to participate in what we are doing for ourselves, for our own portfolios, for our own investments. And we do that through parallel investing. When we go buy something for our clients, we're buying at the same price for ourselves as well. And on the sell side, sell something, same price at the same time. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings. Just send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial office in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. Jump on a call, talk for a few minutes, see what your goals are, what your concerns are, what your needs are, and see how we can help. Maybe that's just going and buying CDs uh, in at your bank. Maybe it's going and putting your money into a high-yield savings account. Maybe it's going to invest in real estate. Maybe it's having us help you with an IRA, a trust account, and uh, uh, an individual brokerage account, whatever it is. How can we help and give you some perspective that can help you make a good decision? So we want to help you in any way. Now let's touch quickly on China and the prices, not only here in the U.S., going up 5% year over year, but in China, prices are rising as well. On June 9th, China reported that factory gate prices, the prices from coming out of the factory, rose at an annual rate of 9% in May, the highest in more than a decade. So the reason is, is shipping costs are going up. We've had a few calls and those stocks are are doing very, very well. And and so uh, they're extracting a lot of profits, but also a stronger yuan. So the cost in dollars is more because you need more dollars to pay for each yuan. And it's pushing up the prices of made in China goods. America's imports from China already cost 2.1% more in April than they did a year ago. That's the fastest since 2012. Now, in order to meet green targets, China had, China's government has reined in coal production, steel production, and that means the input costs are going up. Cost of energy, because coal is a cheap, cheap energy. You start shifting that to natural gas or, or other types of fuel, becomes more expensive. Officials have also cracked down on excessive speculation in the commodities market. And so they're looking at the run-up in the price of those commodities as well, and they don't want that because a lot of those commodities go into the goods they make for the world. So global demand for goods are soaring. We've seen that. Chinese exports are up about 20% higher than pre-pandemic trends. And factories are struggling to keep up with the demand. And they've had trouble with supply chains. Copper mining shutdowns in Chile and Peru, for example, pushing up the price of those input goods. And so, so when you see the cost of everything in the country going up, services as well as products, a lot of that's coming out of China, and that's what's driving it. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here on Invest Talk is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. So we're going into our final break. So give us a call now at eight 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 ninety nine chart. This is Invest Talk. 
Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Nick in Napa. I was calling regarding the stock Granite Construction, ticker GVA. I bought it around $16, and I have about 50 shares of it. And it's gone up to around almost 40 now. Not sure if I should just take my gains and reinvest it into some other companies, or if I should just hold on a little bit longer. So just regarding your guys' thoughts, I'll uh, look forward to it on the podcast. Thanks so much. All right, this is Granite Construction, Inc., Pretty small company, $1.8 billion market cap, yields about 1.3%, and now trading at $39 a share, almost 40, and he bought it at 16, so nice, solid gain, over 100% there, and the question is, when do you take profits? Should you take profits soon? Now, Granite Construction, what they do is they provide heavy civil construction of roads, highways, residential and commercial development as well as uh, some development of energy, uh, infrastructure, etc. So clearly this would be a big benefit if there was some big infrastructure package. Now the infrastructure package looks like it continues to be talked down uh, to a smaller and smaller dollar amount, although I think that has a lot to do with A, Biden wanted to be bipartisan, and B, Hey, they're looking at the economy and they're saying, why would we want to blow our blow this infrastructure package right now when inflation's running hot, unemployment's coming down, we're having the reopening, everything is kind of having the economy has a nice tailwind to it with uh, all the stimulus packages over the past year and a half. And I think that's a big reason why there hasn't really been anything done. There's we're coming out of a crisis, not into a crisis. And governments, politicians, they rather wait until it's necessary. And that's why I think there hasn't been a lot done. And you're starting to see this company stall. It really has gone nowhere since March. And really, as there's more and more evidence that the infrastructure package is going to be pushed off, I think it's going to be next year. I think the Democrats are going to want to push it through when it has the most economic impact for them in the midterms. And so I think that's going to be a little while. Now, will it be $4 trillion like they want? Probably not. Will it be a trillion? We'll see. Right now, I think the package is expected to be less than a trillion. So you're seeing that expectation continue to come down. So the valuation-wise on, on granite construction is pretty steep compared to its history. And historically, it's not that profitable of a company turn equity in the mid to high single digits. It's pretty low. And so that's where I, that's why I would be thinking about taking profits up here. I would have an out of the 100-day moving average of $37 and change right now. Now we can fit in one more caller question, I think. Yes, we can. And this one came in earlier from Minnesota. Hey, Steve and Justin, this is Dave from Minnesota calling. Want to get your take on the commodity space and how much of my portfolio is too much to have 
in this. I currently have a bunch of energy stocks, gold, silver miners, and copper with Rio Tinto and Freeport. And I'm just wondering if I'm overdoing it. I'm currently at about 50% of my portfolios in commodities, and I'm wondering if that's too much. Uh, Listen to your response from the podcast. Thanks. All right. Yeah, I think that is a, a bit high, 50, but I think think of it more as the, the subsectors, and they all have their own supply-demand dynamics. Clearly, gold and silver has underperformed recently as more of the cyclical names have outperformed. I expect that to flip here in the back half of the year. So I would think about that, too, as, what, as our underlying economic environment. And so those more cyclical commodities maybe be reducing uh, your position or looking to reduce. I think, especially on the energy side, we're uh, closer to the end of this cycle as opposed to the beginning. So looking for uh, areas to lower your overall exposure. Uh, so I do think 50 is, is, is a bit high, but more about individual subsectors. You want to keep it about 20% or less. Uh, and so that's the way I look at it. But you should be looking to diversify a bit into uh, other areas uh, in, that do well when the economy economic growth is slowing, and that's what we expect in the back half of the year. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which they can find over at iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. And as always, investtalk.com, and be sure to rate and review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Enjoy your weekend. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.